0: <sharp> no. <inhale>
1: And don't do really aggressive containment and mitigation, the number could go way up, many, many millions. Uh, To be isolating patients, emphasizing social distancing. Wuhan, uh, China confirmed confirmed. the The coronavirus outbreak is now a pandemic. That COVID-19 can be characterised as a pandemic. In Italy, one of the worst affected countries, the and business supply
0: chains true. are being disrupted around the globe. This combination of like people, people are to work, make make money. Money. and those the world, it's right. confirmed
1: the coronavirus outbreak is now a pandemic. <laughs>
0: Pleased to be speaking today with Dr. Sasa, the former special envoy to the United Nations and currently the Union Minister of International Cooperation and spokesperson of the National Unity Government of Myanmar. Dr. Sasa, thank you so much for joining us here today at Inside Myanmar Podcast.
1: And thank you for having me.
0: So, while there's so much to discuss concerning the events of the last six months, what's bringing us together now is the urgency of the COVID 19 pandemic as it's sweeping through your country. Of course, much of the world has already suffered from coronavirus in their own way in the course of the last year and a half. Yet, what Myanmar is now facing is very different from anything we've seen in any other country. For the past year and a half, waves of COVID have exploded across countries because events took them by surprise, or because of new virus mutations, or inadequate health systems, or even governmental ignorance or inaction. But in Myanmar today, with a challenging healthcare infrastructure to begin with, and the much more deadly Delta variant now taking hold, the situation is being seriously exacerbated by the military junta actively arresting physicians, forcing healthcare workers underground, and prohibiting the import of essential medical supplies. Against this aggression, the Burmese people don't really even have a chance. So this is just a little background on the situation. For those listeners unfamiliar what exactly is happening now in Myanmar in relation to the virus, can you give a brief summary of the current state of COVID?
1: Firstly, this military coup should never have taken place. In the first place, no one should have think of uh, getting the power of the people of Myanmar by bailing weapons and by killing the people. And when the rest of the world are attacking these killer covid 19 they are imposing social distancing travel restrictions lockdowns etc and working around the clock to save the people of this globe from this pandemic but the military generals in myanmar are just doing the opposite they have no social distancing They have no lockdown, they have no travel restrictions. So what basically happening the last four months is the military junta after they take our democracy has stolen our freedom and attack our people. They are setting men and women in uniform who should be protecting the people of Myanmar, to attack the people of Myanmar from village to village, from town to town, from city to city, from state to state. So where is their social distancing? Where is their travel restriction? Where is their lockdown? So basically, this is in the way a very mad, made humanitarian catastrophe. And the military junta is responsible for creating this situation with COVID-19 pandemic. Now we are facing the third wave, third wave COVID-19 spreading across the country. It's out of control. And they, it is Delta variant that means You know, who can promise that there will not be fourth wave? Who can Mm. promise that there will not be fifth wave or sixth wave? Because Myanmar is being created by the military junta to be a a new ground for COVID-19 to breed. So who can say there will be no no new variants that will be more deadlier than these variants that we are facing? There can be new strength of COVID-19, new muti- mut- mutations because it's out of control. So epidemiologists and all the the, um, the the one who is expert with the virus, we all know. I'm a doctor, and we know how these things can quickly mut- uh, the mutation took place if it's allowed like that. And so it's a very very it's a concern not only for the people of Myanmar. It should be a concern for international community, concern for UN Security Council. It should be a concern for <clears> the <throat> WHO, concern for our neighbor, China, India, Thailand. Everyone should concern about this because COVID-19 have no border, it has no respect for borders, international borders. COVID-19 has no respect for political affiliation, have no religions, have no race. So it can quickly uh, uh, become out of control. So it's a very, very critical situation.
0: Mm. Are you in touch with any healthcare professionals on the ground in Myanmar? And if so, what are they telling you now?
1: Of course, these, the doctors and nurses and these, the, the, the heroes of the nations have been working around the clock um, where they are and with their own capacity. I have been uh, in several contact with the people who are working on the on, on ground situations. And then we have formed, as the government, we have formed COVID-19 manage control preventions commissions. And it's national level commission. And what's happening on the ground is, the military junta that we are facing in Myanmar, they are attacking health workers, they are attacking nurses and doctors, and it is honest, unbelievable because without doctors, without nurses, no one can, can even give this uh, COVID-19 vaccination to the people. These military junta in Myanmar, that we are facing, they are simply. For example, I can tell you, like um, a few days ago, they like to arrest the doctors who are helping COVID nineteen patients who are dying at their homes without care. So the military regime like to stop them doing so, because they expose them somehow, and um, they pretend as as if they are COVID-19 patient, and they call those doctors, say, please come and help us. I have, I'm, in, I'm not well, I have COVID-19. But the doctors turn up to help to, to wherever location they point out. It turned to be the military man and woman uniform. And they arrested the doctors straight away and tortured them, arrested them. We don't know where they kept. Mm. Few days ago, they said twelve doctors and nurses arrested. Just imagine in that way, they trapped to arrest doctors and let me go back a little bit. um, The back, like um, you know, when the military coup took place, the people of Myanmar, the doctors, the nurses, everyone, we all say enough is enough. We'd like to live under. This, this killer would like to live under these murderers who only bring death and destruction to the people of Myanmar. So when they do peaceful protest, peaceful movement, which is much more powerful than the military act of terrorism. So they strike and they refuse to work under the military boots. Because those military junta are the killer in Myanmar for many many years. They are guilty of crime against humanity, atrocities, war crime, genocide. What happened to the Rohingya people? 2017, 2018? Those are the crime against humanity, as the world watch. The atrocities committed by the military junta in Myanmar. So these are the same people who committed crime against humanity. These are the same people who committed ethnic cleansings and atrocities, a genocide to, uh, against the, the Kachin people, the Shan people, the Moon people, the Quran, Rakhine, Rohingya, Qing, name it. All of us are the victims of these mandalas in Myanmar. So when the military took a power like that, people of Myanmar say, it's do or die, because there's no other way. And these doctors and nurses joined the most peaceful movement called CDM movement, civil disobedience movement. Right from that time, they have, they start attacking the doctors, the nurses, and the healthcare workers across the country. It's 250 records of attack on healthcare Mm -hmm. facilities, the doctors and nurses across the country. This is unacceptable. These are the doctors and nurses who should be protecting the people from COVID-19 but the military are attacking the ones who are attacking COVID-19. So in a way, the doctors attack COVID-19 hmm. and the military attack the doctors who attack COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So any country in the world, they should be, you know, we have got the armed forces and, and nations the world, armed forces, and the Swaned in to protect the people, but the, 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 un, the military junta under the command of MIG Alliance are just doing the opposite. They are just attacking the people, attacking the doctors, attacking the nurses, attacking the hospital facilities. Now, all the hospitals are somehow occupied by the military junta. In the hospital, there are no doctors, there are no nurses, there, is, there are military weapons. So how can we uh, do with this COVID-19 when our healthcare system has been ruined under the military
0: Right, so that certainly is a distressing picture. And when we look at the start of the CDM movement, indeed it was many of the doctors and nurses that led the way. And because of that, they have been under a special kind of persecution for their leading role in that movement. And as you just referenced, they the military is using hospitals as well as monasteries and schools and other places to actually set up their camps all over the country. So hospital work is not getting done. This is quite a distressing picture that you paint of the third wave, the Delta variant of COVID spreading throughout the country, and doctors being unable to help them to a large extent, and the military persecuting the doctors as the disease rages on. So what can be done? How can this be responded to?
1: The international community is the only answer to this, this problem, because the people of Myanmar have done everything they can, and in fact, they are giving their life for the cause of freedom and democracy and for the cause of protecting the people of Myanmar from, COVID, from COVID-19. And you see us across the country. The people are crying for oxygen. They cannot breathe. They say, we cannot breathe. We can't breathe anymore. And the military junta, uh, uh, you know, prohibiting and obstructing the people of Myanmar to get oxygen. They don't have, uh, this military junta have no interest to protect protect the people, but all they prove is to kill the people. That's why they have killed nearly 1,000, imagine, nearly 1,000 the last few months. Those 1,000 people being killed in cold blood, the victims, they have done nothing wrong. They have done nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. And they arrested now almost 7,000 men and women, including children. They arrest children, four years old children before, um, so those children were arrested after they cannot find their parents. So they arrest the children by thinking that the parents will turn up and they pray no. So these military junta actions is unacceptable, unbelievable, it's It shows how bad human beings can be. Hmm. It shows how bad things can be when it's evil, it's evil. You can only say it's evil. So now we have been seeing what what evil means in this world. Hmm. And they have issued arrest warrants to so many doctors, so many nurses, including me. They charged me with high treason. In the way, I'm a proud because I stand up for democracy, the freedom and justice. They are the enemy of democracy. They are the enemy of freedom and peace. I stand for peace. I stand for love. I stand for the future. So they treated me as the enemy and charged me with high treason because of that. But in the way, it is a funny that military um, junta who is commit who are committing crime against humanity high treason against the people of myanmar the country of myanmar have charged with high treason just imagine that so this is um um uh, uh, the the situation that we cannot do it alone everybody have to come to board everybody have to come together that means international community have to come together Example, uh, all the, the, the international community that's dealing with COVID 19 vaccination and COVID 19 control and COVID 19 related aids and relief, all the organizations around the world and the responsible government around the world, responsible international community around the world, everybody have to be on board. And we have to do this together. It, it is no way that the people of Myanmar will be expected to control and prevent this COVID-19 on land that is uh, targeted, coordinated and a strong support for international community, like oxygen. Oxygen is not something that the villagers can make. It's something that has to be produced. And uh, COVID nineteen treatment and PPE, and face mask, Most importantly, COVID-19 vaccination. It's not something that we can do alone. And that's why I'm uh, calling to UN Security Council to do a strong and new resolution to call for ceasefire. COVID-19 ceasefire. We need Mm -hmm. COVID-19 ceasefire. We need COVID-19 Pandemic pause. So, no one should be thinking of getting guns and shooting the people when it's this pandemic is killing the millions of people around the world. So, it's the UN Security Council to come together, realize that COVID 19 has no border. Hmm. COVID 19 has no, it does not understand the UN Security Council. Or UN, or you know, religious or peace security, it kill, kill, kill. That's COVID nineteen. So in the way, if before the situation become too late, UN Security Council have to stop this military junta in Myanmar of their act of violence across the country. Let's say we bring. COVID-19 vaccination and military junta came and attacked that's COVID-19 vaccination. We have every reason to believe that they will do the same again because these people are attacking the doctors and nurses. These military junta are attacking the doctors and nurses. So that is attack on COVID-19 prevention. That is attack on COVID-19 control. That's attack on COVID-19 management. It's very simple. Hmm. And so UN Security Council must come with a new, strong resolution calling for pandemic pause, pandemic ceasefire, COVID-19 ceasefire, so that these oxygen can be supplied to the people who are most in need. During that ceasefire period, oxygen supply will go into the people of Myanmar, and vaccination must be administered to the people of Myanmar, without any military interference. Who can, who can uh, transport oxygen and that uh, COVID-19 vaccination with gunpointed, with gunpointed, with smoky guns? It's not going to work. So we need UN Security Council to impose COVID 19 ceasefire immediately and now. Otherwise, it will be too late. Hmm. By the time this COVID 19 Delta variant crossed the border to China, by the time this COVID 19 new variant that we are facing in Myanmar crossed to India, crossed to th- Thailand, and crossed to Asia, and risk to Russia and Europe and the U.S. It will be too late. It will be too late. Therefore, this is the effort that minimum UN security council can immediately impose COVID-19 ceasefire now in Myanmar, where all the doctors, the nurses can work freely to protect the people. So they must allow the humanitarian push. They must allow that coordinating uh, ceasefire. Otherwise, no doctors, no nurses will come to be just bombed and killed by military junta without ceasefire. That's what could happen.
0: Mm, thank you for that. And you reference how, in the villages, in the cities, even, Burmese people cannot manufacture or make. What it is they need right now. They're in need of medical equipment and different medicine to be brought in safely to make best use of confronting the coronavirus pandemic. Can you detail a bit more specifically what types of medical equipment or medicine is most needed right now? So
1: this COVID-19 is something that is a very new and the world have not understood properly yet. No one knows the origin of COVID-19 example. No one knows. We all assume and we all feel this is, uh, you know, so from laboratory or from, you know, from Wuhan and laboratory or how, where. We just don't know. And all this new variant, we just don't know. All we can do together is, there is a mechanism of perfection. Head washing, everybody know how to wash head, but they need the soap. They need the soap. There's no soap. And everybody know how to wear a mask now, but there's no mask. Hmm. And everybody now understood there should be social distancing, but they do, the military junta are sending thousands and thousands of men with battlefield weapons in uniform to across the villages. And that has to stop because there's no social distancing. There are super spread of COVID-19 across the country. Yeah. Those are very simple mechanisms. There has to be on the ground. And there has to be health education to the people. It has to be community-led approach. And the community has to start a community uh, uh, face mask campaign, community head-washing campaign, uh, community uh, lockdown themselves, lockdown by the, their own community. Like, you know, we should not travel to that village or this village, you know, because uh, now right now all the community has to be constrained and they can go to the farm, the field, but not necessarily go out of the village, something like that. So that has to be implemented on the ground. And in terms of medicines, there's not really much, but uh, how do we know that our body is able to resist somehow those COVID-19 recovery? So there's... um, Pre-existing condition. Let's say if somebody have high blood pressure, if somebody have diabetes, yeah, if somebody have all those pre-existing condition, we should be identifying those conditions, who have it, who does not, so that we can give the best care to them. Yeah, and then if they have the high temperature, then we need to have paracetamol to lower it down. The same way, you know, if somebody has no food to eat, hungry is not uh, good for virus. Our body must be strong and immune. Somehow, immunity, our immunity has to be strong. That means giving much, uh, you know, enough nutrients to our body. That's the way how we overcome COVID-19 also. Yeah, there's a recovery rate. Some eighty percent people who got COVID-19 recover because they are treated well in that situation. If there is the um, de- uh, hyd- uh, de- uh, dehydration, then there have to be rehydration. So all those things are <coughs> uh, the thing that the people of Myanmar need right now. Basic thing I can say is basic thing. We don't need to be a doctor to do that. Everybody can do that. And everybody have the responsibility to do that, but they need the resources. And this vaccination is critical because vaccination allows people to be immune to that virus, even if it comes. So this is the the, 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 main, the main focus for us. So we cannot also just give one one part of uh, the people COVID-19 vaccination and another community left behind. If that is the case, then that COVID-19 vaccination will not be effective, because the ones who do not eject COVID-19 vaccination will be carrier of COVID-19 and it will be transmitted again and again to the population. Mm. So it has to be the effort of everyone together.
0: You referenced the help that's needed right now from the international community, from the neighboring countries, from the United Nations, and that's definitely true. In short of receiving that help, and for the time being, is there any potential plan, as far as you're safe and able to say, on the side of the NUG for being able to bring in and vaccinate themselves? We are talking to
1: international community. Not just this time. Right from the beginning, Myanmar was a country that was able to control and uh, manage uh, the COVID nineteen in early on, and we are in fact the the first country that received COVID nineteen vaccination from Mm -hmm. India, Mm -hmm. and we have got a plan to 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 be able to administer COVID nineteen vaccination to. 20% 20% of our population by April this year. It was our plan, and we have got a really good plan, and we have got a really good strategy to roll out right from the beginning, but from 1st of February, the military junta wiped out our plan, and they kill it, they killed all the plant, to control, prevent, manage COVID 19 in Myanmar. And what they do, they brought weapons, very weapons, and kill the people. They do not bring COVID 19 vaccination. Military do not bring oxygen, but they kill the people. They bring the guns and weapons and bullets. They bought with the money, stolen money from the people of Myanmar. And they bought those weapons from Russia and China and bring in and kill the people. That's what they're doing. So, now, as we, uh, civilian government, uh, again, uh, is attacked and is stolen our democracy, stolen by them, smoky gun. What can we do? But, what I can say is, we are sacrificing our life to do this job. We are risking our life every day, every moment. And we are talking to international community with concern bodies to provide vaccination. And I have said a request letter to CAVI organization, CEO of CAVI. Yeah, Version Airlines formed by WHO, World Health Organization. And under the program of CAVI and um, uh, that's called COVAX program. Yeah, COVAX program. So now international community through those concerned international bodies, we are receiving, we are receiving COVID-19 vaccination. We are about to receive, I must say we are about to receive, and some four million doses. Hmm of COVID-19 vaccination will be, be coming to Myanmar. Hmm. And then the, the question is not about vaccine. The question is about how those vaccines will be given to the people of Myanmar when there's God widened, military junta, men and women with battlefield weapons at large. They are roaming around the country to kill the people. So that's why we are saying important thing is ceasefire from military junta. And they must withdraw all those battlefield weapons from people, from the population, from private homes and villages and cities across the country so that this pandemic can be managed and controlled. And um, we are also talking to international community, like European Union, where they have got COVID-19 mechanism that can be activated under the requires of the state government. But the problem, Myanmar, is that we have no government now on the ground because it's been occupied by military junta. They occupied us. So we are asking another international community bodies like ICRC, International Red Cross Committee, to be able to talk to like European Union on behalf of the people of Myanmar who are facing such such difficult time. It's the darkest moment in our history. So I can tell you so many things that we are doing, but some of the things that we have been do we are doing, I
0: cannot uh, I cannot, uh, yeah, I cannot talk in detail. Sure, sure. You reference what the international community could do if they step in. How about aid organizations, international aid organizations, and how about just normal donors, listeners to this podcast that would like to help in some small way themselves? What would be the role of individual donors and larger aid organizations? This
1: world... It's lucky to have so many people who have got really good heart and try to help the people who are in troubles and try to help solve the problem who have a problem. And there's so many charity or organization or church or monastery. I can tell you, so many people are doing so many good things. So, wherever you are, whichever. community you belong to, I'm sure there's always a community and organizations or groups that are trying to make the differences. Please go and try those people or help those people who are trying to relieve the people of Myanmar from this suffering and pain. And there's so many organizations, you can say UN organizations, or other non-governmental organizations and agencies, they are doing a lot of good things in Myanmar. It's CSO, community-based organizations, and um, civil society organizations, NGOs across the country. It's a filled with uh, all these good people. So I uh, request an appeal to all of the listeners of this PENCAST, that please find out uh, these organizations which are near to you, or which are in your community or you know, inside Myanmar, and support them in whichever way you can. Every support that you can give to the people of Myanmar through those organizations will be counted. It's about a glass of water. It's a a price of glass of water. So glass of water matters in this moment. Hmm. Glass of water to the people of Myanmar matters and value in this moment. That is how much we need the help from international community and from individuals around the world. And we, again, thankful to all the generous people who have been giving to relieve the people of Myanmar from this pain and suffering that they have been doing so much for so long under this military junta.
0: Personally speaking, I'm thinking that you yourself come from a medical background, and I can't imagine what it must be like for you to be seeing this devastation now. I've heard that you became a doctor originally because growing up you saw people in your community, in your local small community in Chin State that were dying of treatable diseases and you personally felt a conviction to become a doctor to be able to save these lives. So I can't imagine what it must be now to see a much wider community uh, continuing to die of treatable diseases, given your own personal history. I mean, the world
1: have suffered enough, you know, the world have suffered enough and Enough is enough. Now we have suffered too much. I have seen the woman die in childbirth, die in the labor. You know, four or five days of labor. Imagine four or five days of labor in the bamboo houses and the kitchens in the chunk of villages across the country. In fact, 75% of Myanmar population live in. Rural, remote area, 75%. Only 25% live in the place where there's a hospital or where there's a university or college. Just imagine that. And so, yeah, it is heartbreaking to see what's happening now. As a doctor, I, I'm grieving. I'm crying for my people every day. It's just so painful for me to see that. That, you know, like um, I saw another day. There's a man in his 40s dying on the floor. There's his father in another room dying in the bedroom without anybody helping them. Hmm. They both are dying of COVID-19. Just, they say, I cannot breathe. And the father was saying from the bath, he cannot breathe anymore. The son was saying from, crying from the, the, the city room, he cannot breathe anymore. In fact, they both die in that situation. And some good people found that happened and they saw that happened to them. Just imagine, that's why they're planning. So um, yeah, I saw in my own village when I was small, uh three people died, three people die from preventable diseases. Three people, one from the one uh, from the same family, one from uh one in the morning, one in uh, lunchtime, one at, at the evening. Just imagine those moments I was thinking I could be the next to die. I would be the, my mom would be the next to die to Chai Bhat. I will be the next to die to diarrhea. And then that was, that motivated me to become a doctor actually. That I found out that there should be something that I can do. There could be some, some good thing that I can bring to my people. Not necessarily a doctor, but I was thinking there must be something. There must be something to do with, to do about this suffering and pain and death and destructions. So um, basically I was motivated by the suffering and the pain I have seen in my childhood period. And the worst was man-made suffering. So the military junta the for my childhood. I'm talking about that is in some um, 30 years ago, 32 years ago. Mm-hmm. My village, small village. There's no electricity, no running water, no school, no hospital, nothing. But military generals sent their men and women, the soldier, to my village 32 years ago. Mm -hmm. And they occupied my village since then, till today. Mm -hmm. It has been 32 years that we have been occupied. Mm -hmm. And the beginning, I still remember they raping the women in the village. They do forced labor. Everything they do was torture. Forced labor, rape, and they they break their fear and that that destruction to the, the village community. And it has been thirty-two years like that, occupied by the military. Huta, till today, till today. So in that way, all ethnic states across the country are being uh, occupied by military forces um, uh, of the known as the Tamador. The Tamador. Occupy so many villages, so many communities, only to bring death and destruction, torture, forced labor, rape. So they use torture, forced labor, yeah, as weapons. And they do have their battlefield well, weapon, but the villagers are innocent. They have no weapon, so they have nothing to do. So they start raping, yeah, torturing and forced
0: labor to the people. This is really a picture of evil and devastation that's being painted on top of a raging pandemic. The Delta variant, the third wave that's sweeping over the country. Have you been given any impression or any idea, roughly, the kind of death rate or the numbers that we might start to see?
1: It's, it's a very difficult because all the information are blacked out by the military junta that's deliberately. Um. they uh. They they have no data. The, all the data that they are saying is, uh, no one believes because the dead, the body, the, the 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 dead body are uh, You know, coming to the cemetery, our criminations are so many, so many. It just we have to just go to the to the to the cemetery on the graveyard to count a dead body. But the difficult thing is many uh, bodies are being criminated by, uh, like in Yangon, and it, so even there's no grief yet enough. And so it's very, very difficult to know how many are dying. But, you know, we know that thousands have died. Thousands thousands have died already. And then, you know, uh, this is at least we're thinking uh, the test is so long. I mean again, the testing of COVID-19 is very low. despite of that, there's 35 percent positive coming. So the next few months, what we can say is, half population of Myanmar will be affected by COVID-19. Mm. Yeah. So how can we have a country that half population are being affected by? COVID 19. So we are sixty fifty four million 54 million people of uh, population. So in that situation, just imagine, you know, half population will be under the poverty line according to the U- United Nations Development Program. That means 24, 25 million, sorry, 27 million, if it's a half population of 54, will be under, will be forced to live under extreme poverty. Because of this military junta, man-made created humanitarian catastrophe, and 6.4 million people of Myanmar will be without food by end of October this year, Hmm. and half, 1.2 million, you know, 1.2 million people have been displaced by the military junta. That include, of course, our dear Rohingya brothers and sisters. So, how can we manage a country where? we have this place uh, 1.2 million people and 6.4 million people without food and 37 million people living both, uh, forced to live under the poverty it's all man made disasters it's all man made suffering and pain and death and destruction so the only answer is, as I said, international community have to come together as uh, as one. And, you know, otherwise we will have no country. I, I really believe so. We will have no country if the streets continue like this.
0: You mentioned how the pandemic is spreading without any respect for borders or for peoples. This is what diseases do. Do we have any sense of how the pandemic is raging, not just among the people, but uh, among the military and their family as well. We know that their families in the military live very closely together in their bases and their barracks. And do we have any sense of how they're also being impacted by it at this time?
1: Yeah, uh, it, it's obvious. I, I, I can tell you that uh, many military men and women are also suffering from this pandemic. Uh, but again, they need a savior because these military generals, like Ming Aulai, they are now, you know, they call that they command to their soldier. If you shoot, you if you do not kill the people, you will be killed. That's the point. That's the thing that they are saying to their to their own men and women in uniform. Shoot to kill, or be killed. So in that circumstances, so many. I can feel as human being as individual. You know, Many uh, military families are breaking down emotionally and socially, and in these pandemic seasons, and then this impact them hugely. You know they are ordinary soldiers who just love to have a family and who just love to support family. all broken now is ruined. Hmm. So, military the leaders, the SAC leaders, SSC leaders, they have, you know, they are not ruining only the life of the, 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 the ordinary people of Myanmar, but they also ruining their own children's life, their own grandchildren's future. And, you know, the life of the family, the life of the military uh, men and women who are just good people. Good people, they like to kill, but they are being ordered to kill. So this is evil. It's very evil.
0: Do you think there's any possibility or any consideration with having any discussions with members of the military at some level of some kind of temporary cooperation that can just respond to this urgent health crisis?
1: I I understand that Uh, International community are engaging some level with minimum engagement with um, the the, the military junta um, for practical reasons, like getting permissions to get this vaccination to the country and, um, you know, getting the travel permits and all these are just, um, yeah, uh, man-made, as I said. It is a imposed by military junta in the country. So, I also do believe that, and hope and pray, and hope and pray, military leaders will realize that this pandemic do not know that they are military generals. And this will kill their family, and their children, and their grandchildren. And they are destroying the life, not only people of Myanmar. They are destroying their own life, their own children's future, their own grandchildren's future. So I hope that and pray that they will come to realization that they cannot do this anymore. They cannot go in this direction anymore and they, they have to turn back and they have to surrender their task and hunger for power, that they have to give the power back to the people of Myanmar. And that is the only way how we can manage the situation. Because the power, the sovereignty belongs to the people of Myanmar, not to the military generals. But they, because evil, evil have no reason. So they have no reason for stealing our democracy. They have no reason to kill the people. They have no reason. There's just no reason with them. There's, you know, all they make is like, um, they say there's election fraud, but they cannot prove. They say there was a 10.4 million voter fraud least in 2020 election, but they cannot prove. They say it was the reason why they take the, 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 the power from the civilian government, elected government. So I think they, I mean, I hope and pray that they will give up the power. And they will give up their act of terrorism against the people of Myanmar. And I hope and pray they will give up the atrocities and crime against humanity that they have committed against the people of Myanmar. That's the only hope that we have. Uh, but in terms of, do I see that's happening? No. So, it, for us to be negotiating or dialogue, we need inclusive dialogue. We know we need it. But the coalition has to be met. The killing has to stop. Pandemic pause has to be done on the ground. Hmm. And the atrocity has to stop. So when all this stop, that is the beginning of rebuilding our country.
0: Mm. Thank you for that, and thank you for your time. I know you have a lot of things to get to, and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about this with us. Before I let you go, I just want to give you a chance to speak to a couple different audiences that are listening in. I'm sure that we have people listening in from Myanmar that, as you said, are going through their darkest time in history, are living through some kind of unspeakable suffering without any support, and are listening to you with a sense of hope, of, of finding some means of perseverance. I also know that you have members listening of the audience that are outside of the country, that are grief stricken by what you're saying, that are wishing to help in any way they can, however, wherever they are, however they find themselves. So I want to give you a chance to speak to these two diverse audiences, those that are in Myanmar, listening to these words, hanging on those that are outside, that are appalled by what they're hearing and wishing to help in some way. What would you say to those two types of people listening? I mean, the people of
1: Myanmar are brave people and courageous people, and generous people, I can tell you that. And so this bravery in the face of the military, junta aggression, this courageous, peaceful movement, like CDM, protest, strike, we got, which are more powerful than a military act of terrorism. All this gave me hope to the future for the people of Myanmar. Because of this bravery and this courage, we have hope. When I see this courageous man and woman, these brave men and women across my country, I'm proud of her. They are national hero. They are national peacemaker, not only for the nation but for the whole region. So I, this is the hope. They were born from this courageous people of Myanmar, and the brave people of Myanmar. We need to keep this hope. Our bravery is not just for one day. Our courageous is not only for one day; it's for the rest of our life. And I look one of the very good um, re- uh, proverb. I must call it a proverb mm-hmm. by you know um, second world second world world soldiers, freedom fighter. They say. We gave our life today for yours tomorrow. Hmm. We gave our today for you tomorrow. So it's a very powerful statement. So the people of Myanmar are sacrificing their life for the future of tomorrow. Hmm. So I can put it this way. We are giving our life today for a better tomorrow. Yeah, a better tomorrow. So that is the reason why we have hope. So I'm doing now what I'm doing every day. I'm sacrificing my life for a better tomorrow. So I think that is where we are together. That gave us hope and we must continue to do so. And we, our unity is our strength. Myanmar is multi-ethnic country multi-religious country, multi-cultural country. We are like beautiful gardens hmm. where so many flowers bloom. We are like a garden of Myanmar where so many tribe flower blooming. Yeah, it's very simple. All that flower should be re- accepted of their beauty. We all are the beauty of Myanmar. We all are the pride of Myanmar. We all should be allowed to bloom our colorful flower in our own distinguished way. No other flower have the right to kill another flower because we all are flower. We all are the trees. No other trees should come and kill another trees that is producing the fruits. The fruits of love, the fruits of hope, the fruits of health, the fruits of education, the fruits of economy, the fruits of all those fruits we need. So I think we should see how all of us as a flower producing something really good. To the to the world, and that is for our people. So we all are flower. We are flower. Soon we will be bloom again. Soon we will be producing the fruits to the future to for tomorrow, for better world, for better place. Okay. There will be a country called Fendera Democratic Union of Myanmar. Federal democracy. Why federal democracy? It will be a very important that no more discrimination, no more killing, no more violence. And we'll bring down we'll bring an end to violence. We will bring an end to terrorism. And we will start to build the future where all the rights will be protected, regardless of religious, culture, ethnicities, race. And the future will belong to everyone. Everyone, all the rights of all will be protected, respected, and promoted. That is the future we are going. for international community and from outside of Myanmar, what I really want to ask is please continue to advocate for the people of Myanmar. Please continue to lobby for the people of Myanmar. Please continue to support the people of Myanmar in whichever way you can. And there's a lot of ways that the people from outside Myanmar can help the people inside of Myanmar. So I hope and pray that international community and the people from, from around the world will be the voice for the people of Myanmar. It's like voice for voiceless, the help for the helpless, the hope for the hopeless. So I ask and appeal to the people around the world to please be the voice of the voiceless, to be the help for the helpless, to be the hope for the hopeless. yeah and to help us to ease this pain and suffering of the people of Myanmar.
0: Thank you. Thank you for those words. And thank you for the time that you're spending with us today amid what I know is a very busy schedule. And I know in my heart and my prayers and my metta and that of the listeners that we will be doing and thinking and sending whatever good wishes and taking whatever good actions we can on behalf of helping the Burmese people as they're going through. This very difficult time, and I thank you so much for taking the time to join us and answer some of these difficult questions. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. <laughs> After today's discussion, it should be clear to everyone just how dire the situation is in Myanmar. We are doing our best to shine a light on the ongoing crisis, and we thank you for taking the time to listen. If you found today's talk of value, please consider passing it along to friends in your network. And because our nonprofit is now in a position to transfer funds directly to the protest movement, please also consider letting others know that there is now a way to give that supports the most vulnerable and to those who are especially impacted by this organized state terror. If you would like to join in our mission to support those in Myanmar who are resisting the military coup, we welcome your contribution in any form, currency or transfer method. Every cent goes immediately and directly to funding those local communities who need it most. Donations go to support such causes as the Civil Disobedience Movement, CDM, families of deceased victims, and the purchasing of protective equipment and medical supplies. Or if you prefer, you can earmark your donation to go directly to the guest you just heard on today's show. In order to facilitate this donation work, we have registered a new nonprofit called Better Burma for this express purpose. Any donation you give on our Insight Myanmar website is now directed to this fund. Alternatively, you can visit our new Better Burma website, which is betterburmaoneword.org, and donate directly there. In either case, your donation goes to the same cause, and both websites accept credit cards. You can also give via PayPal by going to paypal.me slash betterburma. Additionally, we can take donations through Patreon, Venmo, GoFundMe, and Cash App. Simply search Better Burma on each platform and you'll find our account. You can also visit either website for specific links to those respective accounts, or email us at info@betterburma.org. In all cases, that's Better Burma, one word, spelled B-E-T-T-E-R-B-U-R-M-A. If you would like to give in another way, please contact us. Thank you so much for your kind consideration. You've been listening to the Insight Myanmar podcast. We'd appreciate it very much if you could rate, review, and or share this podcast. Every little bit of feedback helps. You can also subscribe to the Insight Myanmar podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts to make sure you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. If you can't find our feed on your podcast player, please just let us know and we'll ensure it can be offered there in the future. Also, make sure to check out our website for a list of our complete episodes, including additional text, videos, and other information available at insightmyanmar.org. And I also invite you to take a look at our new nonprofit organization at betterburma.org. There was certainly a lot to talk about in this episode, and we'd like to encourage listeners to keep the discussion going. Make a post, request specific questions, and join in on discussions currently going on on the Insight Myanmar podcast Facebook group. You're also most welcome to follow our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter accounts by the same name. If you're not on social media, feel free to message us directly at info at Or if you'd like to start up a discussion group on another platform, let us know, and we can share that form here. Finally, we're open to suggestions about guests or topics for future episodes. So if you have someone or something in mind, please do be in touch. We would like to take this time to thank everyone who made this podcast possible. Currently, our team consists of two sound engineers, Mike Bink and Martin Combs. There's of course Zach Hessler, content collaborator and part-time co-host. Ken Pransky helps with editing, and a special Mongolian volunteer who was asked to remain anonymous does our social media templates. In light of the ongoing crisis in Myanmar, a number of volunteers have stepped in to lend a hand as well and so we'd like to take this time to appreciate their effort in our time of need. And we're always on the lookout for more volunteers during this critical time, so if you'd like to contribute, definitely let us know. We'd also like to thank everyone who has assisted us in arranging for the guests we've interviewed so far. And of course, we send a big thank you to the guests themselves for agreeing to come on and share such personal, powerful stories. Finally, we're immensely grateful for the donors who made this entire thing possible. We want to remind our listeners that the opinions expressed by our guests are their own and don't necessarily reflect the host or other podcast contributors. Please also note that as we are mainly a volunteer team, we do not have the capacity to fact-check our guest interviews. By virtue of being invited on our show, there's a trust that they will be truthful and not misrepresent themselves or others. If you have any concerns about the statements made on this or other shows, please contact us. This recording is the exclusive right of Insight Myanmar Podcast and may not be used without the expressed written permission of the podcast owner, which includes video, audio, written transcripts, or excerpts of any episodes. Also not meant to be used for commercial purposes. On the other hand, we're very open to collaboration. So if you have a particular idea in mind for sharing any of our podcasts or podcast related information, Please feel free to contact us with your proposal. If you would like to support our mission, we welcome your contribution. During this time of crisis, all donations now go towards supporting the protest movement in Myanmar through our new nonprofit, Better Burma. You may give by searching Better Burma on PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, GoFundMe, and Patreon, as well as via credit card at betterburma.org/donation. You can also give right on our Insight Myanmar website, as all donations given there are directed towards the same fund. And with that, we're off to work on the next show, so see you next episode.